Justified Season 6, Episode 6 is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Justified Podcast. I'm Josh Wiggler. Uh, I am joined here by a man who I hope is never stuck in a car on the train tracks. That would break my heart. Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, are you feeling as sad as I am right now? I am. I got to say, I kind of felt like it was coming. It's like a train. You can hear it in the distance. You can feel the rumble. And you should know at, by the end of the episode, you probably need to get out of the way. Uh, and sad, sad for our man Choo Choo. It's, uh, it's a noble ending, but it's an ending nonetheless. And it's not like a Dewey Crow thing where we've grown to love the guy over a period of seasons. But I think we both had soft spots in our hearts for Choo Choo. And to see him go out the way he did, like I said, noble, but disappointing. Yeah, disappointing indeed. Sad to see Choo Choo go. Really, uh, really, it happened so fast. This escalated really quickly. Uh, but you and I had been talking about how we we saw Choo Choo as kind of, if not necessarily an end game player, but more of a longer term, longer view character. We, we'd imagined so many possibilities for what this character could get up to, who he could interact with. We even thought maybe he could be the guy that turns the tables on Tim. Thankfully, that's not going to be the case, though. I think, you know, we're still on Tim Red Alert, as always, for this final season. Uh, but it's just, it, it felt... It felt fast. Uh, it felt really quick. It, it felt like it felt like the the demise of Choo Choo. Just as we were really starting to love this guy, I feel uh, I feel a lot of heartbreak today, Antonio. Yeah, it's funny. There's a thread on Reddit. It's a really hilarious joke in the Justified subreddit that just says, where do you think this uh, show's going to go now that there's only two episodes left? Like, it really feels like we're just, uh, how, how are they going to do the rest of this season? I mean, Choo Choo's only a half-season character. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's funny, but it's a good segue, actually, into talking about this episode, which really does feel like, um, in a lot of ways, if not quite a penultimate episode, very close to the end. You know, yeah. it, feels, it feels like... Uh, a final act episode where, yeah, you're, you're losing a guy like Choo Choo and that's a, it's a sad thing for us, but it's not necessarily, uh, like the big deal breaker of the episode. I would, I would pin that on the fact that it certainly seems that Boyd knows Ava's up to something now, for sure. Uh, we know that Zachariah is trying to kill Boyd. We know that, uh, Avery Markham's men have been scattered. So we've seen Raylan catch Avery Markham's men talking about killing an innocent person. So things are really being ramped up. Avery has proposed to Catherine Hale. The question of the mole is, is even further on our radar at this point. So uh, it definitely feels like, you know, if if these past several episodes of Justified since Dewey Crow's demise have kind of been a bit of a slow burn, it's like the it's it's like we got to the boil at this point. And now it's going to be interesting to see what the boil does to everything else. You know, how does it cook the rest of this meal that is this final season? Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm just really excited to see where we go, because I think a lot of people thought and we we all thought before this season, that season that the final season here was season six was going to be Boyd versus Raylan. Like we're going to end up with that final confrontation and certainly nothing that we've done in this season is preventing that. But it's going to be interesting to see how they get there because we've got Avery Markham here in the mix. We've got Catherine Hale in the mix. But that mix is is becoming quite uh, quite explosive, quite dangerous here. I mean, gunshots were literally fired and uh, and people are going to be on the run and hiding. And like this is all very bad for the long term goals of Markham's uh, setup here. So I think that we've gone askew and we've totally gone sideways from where we thought the season could end up when we were in episode two or three. And now it's going to be very interesting to see where the rest of these episodes go for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's go into this episode first, uh, and let's let's kick things off with you know we're we're at Ava Crowder's house. Boyd rolls up. There's Raylan. We were wondering what was going to happen here. All right, so Raylan and Ava did not do the deed. No, and I think thankfully, although thank gosh, thank gosh. Al- although it's sort of one of those like, uh, would you rather people you know what are people going to going to assume? Because later in the episode, Ray, uh, Rachel and Art talk about whether in fact they that they did do it. So it's like merely putting yourself in the position where that could be suspected is bad deal for Raylan. It's not a great deal for Raylan, um, but it's you know it's kind of. I, I don't know what's worse. I think that this is not as bad as actually sleeping with Ava. I think pretty obviously this is not as bad as actually No, no, with for Ava. sure it's not. And there's so many reasons why that would have been really bad. And I still don't think it's entirely off the table. But it didn't happen now. That's a good thing. But this is still not great to put that seed of doubt into Boyd's mind. Even though Boyd, I think, by the end of this conversation realizes that there are other reasons why Raylan is here. Um... So what did you think of this conversation here with with Raylan saying he's on Marshall business? He has a few questions for Boyd uh, and it turns out to be he's got some questions about our man, Dewey Crow. Yeah. And where where were those coming from? I, I don't I did. Did I miss something like what? What? Uh, I guess I wasn't tracking exactly where those those kind of came from. Is it just that Raylan hasn't seen Dewey in a while or am I forgetting something? I don't think you're forgetting something unless I'm forgetting something. I think it's that Dewey hasn't popped up in a while. And Dewey was very much on the radar for, you know, a, a very hot minute when he got out of jail and now suddenly completely cold. Uh, so I think Raylan's no dummy. Uh, I think he can figure out that something might be up with, you know, between Boyd and Dewey, uh, and I think that that's, that's one of the ways that he's just trying to feel out Boyd in this situation. I think right now, really, he's just trying to gauge, you know, kind of the temperature in the room between Boyd versus Ava. He wants to see this with his own eyes. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Uh, and it, it is really interesting that, um, that Boyd's kind of really playing this scene up. He says something to, to Raylan, like, well, I, I can't let go. I can let go of things when I feel like, or Raylan says, I can let go of things when I feel like they're in good hands. And Raylan and Boyd in this scene is like really feeling on Ava and really kind of possessing her. And it's just kind of this already awkward exchange. Then he brings Dewey Crow into the mix and then fried chicken comes into the mix, which is a whole different thing. Yeah, well, fried chicken in Ava Crowder's house has very specific meaning. Uh, fried chicken in Ava Crowder's house when Raylan and Boyd are both over for dinner has a really specific meaning. Right, uh, right. The last time that happened, it ended with a bullet in somebody's chest, and it was Boyd. Uh, and there's like a little bit of talk of flirtation with the gunplay this time around, too, where yeah. like Boyd is really goading Raylan here. He's like, maybe things will go a different way if we start with uh, both our guns and holsters. Uh, and Raylan's like, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm throughout this season, we've had callbacks specifically to the pilot. And I, and I do wonder if we're going to, if we're really just been, it's been right in front of our face the whole time that there may be, and we've talked about the coal tunnels coming into play. I, it, it could also be that, that, uh, that we're going to get some, some kitchen here that we're going to get some kitchen action and it's really just going to be about Ava's kitchen ultimately. And that's where we're going to end up. Something big is going to happen there. I don't know. We've teased at the edges of that pilot so many times with references that, uh, that that's not just, that's not just for, for, you know, synchronicity's sake. I really think that they want to call back from a thematic standpoint. They want to call back from yeah, synchronous standpoint, but I also think they may be wanting to call back because something may end up becoming, you know, prevalent from that. Oh, I, one of the things I do love about Justified is it, it 
tends to not repeat itself too much. You know, they always, they always try to find some unique way into their problems and uh, different ways of exploring things, which is why I feel like we're, we're fairly confident that, um, that Winona and, and Raylan's daughter, they're not going to be directly threatened because that's happened already. That happened in season four. The show is not really going to do that again. And I think likewise, if this, you know, this season, if this confrontation between Raylan and Boyd is building up to some sort of violent confrontation, I don't think it's going to happen in the kitchen. I think that this was our, our final real kitchen confrontation between Raylan and Boyd, and it was a little bit different in the sense that no one got killed or no one got almost killed in the scene, but it was still loaded. It was still a loaded scene. It was the threat of violence in the air, just this, this real animosity between these two, the likes of which we really haven't seen since that first episode where they really were, uh, uh, where guns were drawn. So I, I don't think that we'll go directly there again, but I think it was a cool call out just to show that as far as we've come on the show, there are some things that are just, you know, it's at the end of the day, uh, a lot of the show is going to boil down to Raylan Boyd, Ava and, and some, uh, some controversial fried chicken. Yeah. I think there are definitely better endings to the Raylan and Boyd story uh, or endings that are, that are more poetic or that have a lot more to them. But on the other hand, I'm now seeing the possibility that, you know, we've kind of teased at this and it may be one of those things that TV shows do in their final season where you have a lot of ideas in the writer's room. And they find ways to work sort of the what ifs into some of the plot of the uh, of the actual show itself without actually making them be the final story. They hint at them and they're mentioned. And so uh, Boyd saying like what it would be different if both of our guns were drawn. Maybe that's a proposed like finale uh, idea that they kind of cast aside and said, uh, oh, yeah, well, you know, that's something we could do. So let's just let's not do that. But let's have Boyd reference that here. So it could be that. But on the other hand, I, I really do like the idea. Uh, only because in the short story, Fire in the Hole, that uh, the pilot and the rest of the series kind of sprung from, Boyd dies right. uh, you know, at, at, after that chicken dinner shot. So uh, it would be very interesting if the series ended the way the short story ultimately does uh, with Boyd dying in that same room. That would at least be interesting from, from that standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's why I still keep going back to this. This has to end in the coal mine just because it's that, that's, the final, that's the final line in that short story is we dug coal together. We dug together. coal together, yeah. yeah so I, I feel like if, if, if Boyd dies, I feel like it's got to be in the mine and you know we're, we have that brush of death in the mine with Boyd later in this episode so I still feel like that's where we're going but you know either way the, the callbacks to you know not just the first season but the first episode and the short story that this whole thing stands on are really really strong uh, throughout this entire season so I think it would be foolish to ignore uh, a lot of those signs so so that was cool I, I liked the way that this scene opened I'm glad Raylan and Ava did not do the deed I think that would have been bad for business for everybody and I think, it, it, you know, I, I think if they're going to put Raylan and Ava in bed together, the show still needs to do some legwork to make that really realistic for me, uh, just because they've been apart for so long. They've basically haven't had much of a relationship at all since season two. So I feel like we need we need a little bit more before we can really just, you know, pole vault into that storyline. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. So let's go to Calhoun's and poor Calhoun still dead. Still dead. Um, not not just mostly dead. All dead. Yeah, not mostly dead. All the way dead. Uh, there's no uh, tomb. No. 
love. There's no. <laughs> he said to, <laughs> to, to play, bluff, which means to, to bluff. Yes. Why uh, don't they just say to bluff? That's yeah. what's really funny about that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but no, no bluffing involved. Calhoun is dead. Um, there's a lot of conversation about uh, what do we do now? What do we do with this guy? You know, he's a he's a big, hefty body. Uh, what are we What are we going to do with this guy? And um, you know, Seabass doesn't want to. What, what's the What's the division of labor here? Is it that Choo Choo's Choo Choo's going to help uh, Ty Walker with the body, and Seabass has to go and take care of uh, Calhoun's whore, as they put it. I don't know if she's a whore. Is she a whore? Is she a prostitute? She's at least an escort, she's right? An because escort. she was hired off the street by Choo Choo in this episode, but not off the street, like off a website or a right. service or something. But uh, yeah, she's at least for a, a lady for hire, right? Uh, so Seabass is going to have to kill her. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to help with the with the body. He wants Choo Choo to take care of the mess. But no one's really feeling great about giving that job to Choo Choo. Yeah, and and I think I understand that for a lot of reasons. Uh, he's already shown a sensitivity to women a little bit, and he's kind of a, an aware guy. He certainly didn't mean to to kill Calhoun per se, although I think he probably realized it was likely to happen. But uh, yeah, this is not good. Uh, and I, and I, the dissension really between Choo Choo and Seabass is is what kind of comes into play in this scene. Seabass calls him stupid and he yells in in anger. And I, I think Choo Choo is sensitive enough and smart enough uh, uh, that, that that's a major kind of uh, gut punch for him. Yeah, he doesn't like that. You know, we've talked about Choo Choo and how uh, you can kind of imagine what that guy was like before his injury. And it's, you know, we've, we've met a lot of stupid people on Justified, a ton of stupid people on Justified. But I don't, I wouldn't classify Choo Choo as that. You know, he's brain damaged. Uh, he's had an injury. Something has happened to him to make him this way. Uh, so to call him stupid, like that's not something that's going to go over his head completely. Uh, so that's it's tough. And I don't know. I mean, this is a guy who just punched Buddy Garrity in the face and killed him in one uh, one starter tap. Uh, and so that's like a scary guy. But on the other hand, he's kind of like, I don't know. He's kind of like a dog. He kind of just want to be like, oh, that's what dogs do. It's what Choo Choo does. You know, you love the guy. Yeah. And uh, again, major, major credit to our friend Duke Davis Roberts. Uh, I Graham Yost and his sort of postmortem of this episode interview that he does every week really said that 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 Duke Davis Roberts brought so much to this role that they weren't necessarily expecting that. I think they wrote uh, the character a lot more uh, deeply than I think they intended. And so I think on the first episode when we meet Choo Choo and he's really just losing a not even intended battle of wits with Raylan on the road, it's very funny and it makes Choo Choo seem really stupid but I think once they realized what Duke Davis Roberts was giving them from a nuanced standpoint and I, Graham Yost acknowledges this they really wrote more for him and and I think that writing more for him you get this sort of much more three-dimensional or at least two-dimensional performance uh, for, of the character who is not just this guy who was brain damaged and is just dumb as a result of the brain damage that he can say things like a curiosity or he can make a joke like skim milk or he can recognize in actually speak philosophically with the prostitute or the lady of the night in the car and and it all it all really plays you recognize that this is a sensitive guy who's self-aware and not just an idiot and that's a much more nuanced performance and just typical for justified right like just getting these characters in who seem like one track kind of minds or one track kind of characters and really playing them out over multiple tracks yeah it's great it's great stuff and yeah so choo choo's saying all right this is my screw up it's my duty to set it right so he's gonna go and he's gonna take care of Calhoun's escort uh so let's let's go from there let's go back to Ava Crowder's it's daytime now and we're getting our first scene of Ava Crowder and Zachariah Randolph uh we're 
we're really starting to dig into Ava's past this season. I'm liking it. I'm a big fan. Yeah, good metaphor there with Ava talking about how her dad was trapped in the mine and how she she's certainly trapped. Uh, and that really kind of was a nice connection there. Uh, and, and I really like that Zachariah seems to have that loyalty to her dad and to her family, um, because that that I think is important for the actions that his character takes in this episode to really understand where he's coming from, not just something that is uh, like Iago, where the, the anger and the hatred just like an Othello, not Aladdin, just comes from uh someplace that's uh <laughs> i was thinking aladdin <laughs> i'm so upset that i'm molting you know no Ava, not, i'm molting yeah it's not that at all it's not uh it's not that it's more the kind of like one track kind of villain who doesn't really need a, a, a slight just needs to think that he's being slighted and, and just goes crazy that's not what this is this guy's got some legitimate issues to have beef with the crowders and to really care about uh ava randolph and and i love that little scene it's not a big one not a long one but it, i think it means a lot well, not to stray too far off topic, but I am really curious since you brought it up, which Iago you are a fan of. If you like Iago from the first Aladdin film or you like him after his redemption arc in uh, Return of Jafar <laughs> and through the animated series. I, I like the pre I like the pre Return of Jafar Iago. I you, like you to- like you like Iago when he's when he's rustling your feathers for the for the sake of evil. Yes. Okay. Yes. I like that. Uh, and you know, there's room for both. Uh, and I think that, I think that it's interesting when you talk about the Iago versus Iago from Aladdin versus Iago from Othello, it's kind of like, uh, I was it's not about, uh, the Iago from Aladdin versus Iago from return of Jafar, but oh, no, I know you were doing that. I know you were, I'm trying Josh, I'm just trying to elevate this a little bit. Don't, don't bother. Uh, <sighs> All right. Try, try, try. I'm interested. No, I, I'm hooked. I, I'm in. I no, I can't. I, don't walk it back. You came this far. Let's keep going. Not, oh, I was going to say, I, I was going to try to speak in only monosyllabic words for the rest of the podcast, but I can't even say monosyllabic without saying more than one syllable. Can you just no. like pause down? Mon. Oh, <laughs> sil. Ah, uh, big. This is no. going to be like a 14 hour podcast. Yeah. And, and I think that it would, it's an interesting, it's like a performance art podcast. This is something that like, t- we should get Tilda Swinton on next week as a guest. I think that she's above our pay grade. She might be above our pay grade, but I think if we get obscure and weird and avant-garde enough with it, we we might convince her that we're, she's not. That'd be pretty good. That'd be pretty good. But anyway, I, I like that there are some characters who are evil for evil's sake. Yeah. I like that there are some characters who are evil and are redeemed uh, and really are humans and maybe have something they need to correct uh, and get there. And then I like there that there are some characters who aren't evil for evil's sake and don't need redemption, but have something that they're pursuing that might make them do evil things or perceptively evil things, but it's in pursuit of something noble and i think that zachariah if we just saw him really kind of coming at at boyd and we didn't understand why and we didn't know a little bit more about him and the family relationship as a character i think it's enough that he didn't like bowman crowder but that isn't really enough of a reason to take something out on boyd but i do think knowing that boyd is kind of trapping ava regardless i do think that that's enough reason for him to want to free him considering the loyalty he has to the family so i like that that there's a different shade of evil here is zachariah really evil yeah, it's the question. So so let's, you know, it's going to come up later in the episode, but I feel like we're on the subject now. Let's let's talk about it now. So why is Iago? I'm just kidding. I was going to get back. Into that. <laughs> uh, so but but the Zachariah thing. So so you're taking this as so Zachariah is is this this is not business. It's personal. Like he, yeah. he's after Boyd because of his his concern for Ava. You think that that's what's going on here? Well, unlike, you know, Iago and the return of Jafar, he's not saying <laughs> I'm looking out for me. Like this is not what I'm his goal is. I'm looking out for me. 
<laughs> That's not what he's trying to set up here. Like, I really think that there's something different going on here. Although maybe it's not. Maybe he wants to take Boyd out and really take this opportunity for himself and himself alone. Uh, I, you know, that has occurred to me. But I think this scene on the porch indicates, look, this is actually a pretty emotional guy. He hasn't seen Ava in a while, but he's also seemingly been kind of crazy for a while. So um, tying her dad into it and talking about that and having that kind of weird surrogate, like most of the men in Ava's life have have put her in harm's way. And so to have a man uh, in her life that isn't putting her in harm's way, uh, especially at this time of her life when the men in her life are definitely putting her in harm's way, I think is uh, I think it's an interesting dynamic to bring into the mix. And I do think that that may be all that Zachariah is up to. On the other hand, he may really be just after this opportunity. He may be looking out for himself. Uh, I have just one more question about Iago, Antonio. Yeah, when, that's what I figured. Yeah, when you and I get together to sing karaoke and we do a, a duet of uh, Forget About Love, uh, what, who's good, there's got to be a third part because Aladdin eventually shows up. Obviously, I'll be Jasmine. You'll be Iago. You've got a good Iago voice. Who's going to be our Aladdin? Oh, well, that's a, I mean, I, I feel like we should open think, it up. Yeah, I think we open it up for auditions. If you guys, um, uh, com slash voicemail, if you would like to submit uh, your audition tape for um, the a cover of Forget About Love from Aladdin Return of Jafar, uh, and perhaps we can make some magic happen between the three of us. Yeah, if you want a cozy rendezvous, or you, you, if you really can't forget about your heart, if you'll be there. I can't if we forget want you. about my heart. <laughs> Listen, enough is enough. I'm still falling. Okay, let's let's get through this. Uh, whatever we may do, whatever, we, whatever may we may do. Oh my God, I can't, Antonio. I always knew I loved you, but uh, <laughs> now that I know that you're as big a Return of Jafar fan as I am, I'm very. Is happy. it what is it about you and, and sequels? Like you seem to you sometimes know, like sequels. True. I, just I know love the sequels. I'd, I don't know. I just I like to see what our characters are still up to. I'm really looking forward to Justified Two. Let me just put that out there right now. Uh, it's going to be a really good show. That'll come out in about twenty years. Son um, of Justified. Yes, son of Justified. Just, Justified to Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, That's what I'm looking gonna, for. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Yeah, so listen, and obviously, you know, you and I, Antonio, we've talked a lot on Post Show Recaps about Lost, so we're big fans of Jeff Fahey, who's played uh, Frank Lapidus on Lost for several seasons, a great character on that show. I just think that he brings such a, such a like, a, a clear-eyed kind of energetic presence to, to every role that he does, but there's just, like, there's something really soulful about the guy. You, you just, you look in his eye and, like, you, I, I don't know if it's that you that you trust him, but like there's there's like wisdom there and there's just lots of history there when you look at this guy's face. And I think that when you when you see Jeff Fahey on this show and you see him here as Zachariah Randolph, it's just like, yeah, this is a guy who's got deep history in Harlan. I get it. I buy it. Uh, and so to see him kind of emerging as sort of this unexpected thorn in Boyd's side to the point that Boyd has no idea that he's got this thorn in his side. I think it's a really interesting new new layer that we're tossing in here and. I'm curious as to where it's going to go because it's such a late addition to the story. Yeah, and and we just I brought up that Reddit joke earlier. With only two episodes left, of course, we have a lot more. We're only halfway through the season, but um, it is interesting to to kind of contemplate that. And I wanted to kind of run that by you. I know it's skipping ahead a little bit, but you know he he kind of clearly sets up a trap to try to kill Boyd, and Boyd falls through the trap after Zachariah tells him, "Hey, go pick up that oil can or whatever." But then Zachariah saves him, and he saves him in a way that I think it would have been totally defensible if the save just didn't work. Yeah. Like, oh, count to three, and then I'll grab your hand. Oh, okay, one, two, and then, oh, I'm sorry, I pulled my hand away at the last second. No one sees it. 
boy dies, everything works out just fine. So I don't know why he didn't do that in the moment. And I'm not really sure what his game is because later he killed Mr. Handsome or whatever that guy's name is uh, for, for kind of sniffing it out. So, is that uh, his name, Mr. Handsome? I had seen him referred that way online, so Let's I don't know if that's a, him that, that's good. Yeah, it's not Mr. Black, not Mr. Pinky's, Mr. Handsome. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we were, you know, we can talk about that now just because we're on the topic. I wanted to bring that up later because, yeah, why doesn't he just let Boyd die there? Uh, I, and, you know, he, he could drop him the way that you just suggested. Or, like, it could be like he could he could have uh, he could have Mr. Handsome be the guy who's like pulling Boyd. Uh, and like he's got Mr. Handsome hooked up on like slack, right? Like he's got him tied to a pole to like to to give him enough strength to pull up Boyd. Why doesn't he just like cut the cord and push them both down? You know, yeah. there are just many ways that you could go about doing it. Um, it's this is a delicate act because you've got you've got multiple people involved. You've got Boyd. Boyd's dead. Fine. That's great. Now what? You've got a bunch of disgruntled workers left over who aren't getting paid. Uh, and you're just now an extra mouth that could blab about what's going on. You've got no loyalty. Uh, you're Zachariah. Why aren't you squealing to somebody? This is like from Carl's perspective. Uh, so Zachariah very easily could eat a bullet as soon as he kills Boyd if he doesn't have some sort of contingency plan to take care of some of these other guys. So does it behoove Zachariah to like kill them all uh like does he have to wipe all of these people out in order to get away with this thing does he not even necessarily need or want to get away with this thing does it just all that matters is getting rid of boyd and if so why don't he just blast him in the face with the shotgun to begin with so i will say i'm seeing i i need to, i need to see a little more on this like i need to know more about where this storyline is going um because that was a bit of a hole like that felt a little ah, it was a bit of a hole somebody it, fell into yeah, it. it was a bit of a hole that someone fell into but it felt a little uncharacteristic to me uh i don't know about for you but it felt a little uncharacteristic of the show to me where i feel like everything is usually very airtight uh and this like maybe you could just chalk it up to zachariah just like maybe didn't have the nuts to go through with it in the moment maybe he's just you know, he's not a great criminal. He doesn't have that kind of instinct. You know, that's something that's going to be talked about in the episode. These are soldiers, not criminals. Uh, you know, maybe he's like, you know, he's willing to do a bad thing, but he's going to be bad at doing a bad thing. So maybe that's what you're talking it up to. But his plan has holes and his plan has holes. Yeah. And holes on holes on holes. And what I would say is it's possible. And this is kind of what I wanted to talk about. And I think that you've kind of asked a lot of the questions that I think we're all asking at this point about Zachariah's endgame or what he's up to. It's entirely possible that that he wanted to save Boyd because the whole trap wasn't set to kill Boyd. It was set to have Boyd trust him because it's a trust fall, right? Like, hey, I'll catch you. Right. Don't worry about this. I got you. I know you're going to fall down there. But look, this really complicated thing where I jeopardized myself and, you know, I where it was right in the moment there. I, I absolutely saved you. And, you know, one of the things that he's really interested in doing as soon as he saves the guy, as soon as he saves Boyd, is telling Boyd he needs to get out. Go out of the mine. Go up top. You know, go 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 up top. Like, uh, no, you need to get out of here. You need to see some daylight. And I just wonder if um, if he's got some other end game that he's running that relies on Boyd trusting him and that relies on him maybe getting some private time down there in that mine shaft. Uh, maybe he's going to try to abscond. Oh, fill some holes, baby. Oh. <laughs> Maybe he's uh, any old coal miner can tell you gets anyway, lonely down anyway, there. In those anyway, anyway, continue with your your eloquent part. Yeah, well, 
<laughs> says the man who keeps pushing. Uh, yeah, no, anyway, um, what I would say is that it's it's possible that because he's telling Boyd, hey, I, you know, why don't you go topside? And maybe it was a trust fall and maybe he's really trying to, you know, abscond with this opportunity all himself, like or set something up so he can do that later. Um, maybe he's got that kind of longer play in mind uh, and not just uh, killing Boyd because he could have killed Boyd right there in that moment. So I don't know. It's uh, it, we will see how it ultimately ends up. But he does seem very quick to want to get Boyd out of the mine at that point. And maybe it's because he didn't want Boyd to see the hole. Um, maybe that's just all it is. But there may be or something more in play there. I like that, actually. I like that quite a bit. I hope that that's true. I hope that this is some sort of long con. I hope so, too, uh, uh, because the other option is it's just a, it's just a mine shaft plot hole. Yeah, I just don't know. Uh, You know, we'll have to see. But I I like where you're coming from. I think that that's a really good idea. Uh, I hope that that's what's going on. So let's talk about a really bad idea. Oh, my Uh, God. Amateur hour with with the with the body with Buddy Garrity's body. Right. Oh, my God. Uh, Well, not that. Not that yet. No, 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 we're not even up to that. I mean, that's that is amateur. hour. Getting married to Avery Mark. I mean, that is also amateur hour is uh, the, the way this proposal goes down. Listen. Uh, I'm not trying to brag. I've, I've proposed to a woman or two in my time. Two? No, just one. Okay, uh, it worked out really well. But yeah, you that's why have, it was only one. You gotta have some romance to it. You know, you get the, you don't just put a ring on a table and say, babe, you got the ring. You wanna do this thing? Uh, especially if, like you're a notorious, like kind of like serial husband, like a serial marrier. Like you gotta like put a little thought into it, I feel like. Uh, so the, I, I'm gonna go thumbs down on the way that Avery Markham proposes to Catherine Hill here. Yeah, and and I don't I don't uh, I don't feel great about that. Like it's uh, it's not your it's not going on YouTube that one. Not going on YouTube, nor should it. But anyway, I mean, let's we we could pick that apart all day. I think that this is this is interesting for a variety of reasons. Um, this this whole scene, it's hard to know what's actually going on. Uh, on the surface, you've got Avery proposing to Catherine. They've obviously, they've been seeing each other. What, what we, like, if we just took it all at surface value, Avery proposing to Catherine, obviously very into Catherine. We as the audience know that Catherine has it out for Avery. We assume in the moment Avery does not know that Catherine has it out for him. That could be a very stupid leap on our part. Yep. Uh, he could absolutely know. Um, and then on top of it, we've suspected through Catherine's you know, conversations with other characters on the show that Avery is the guy who narked out Grady Hale. Uh, he's the guy who ratted on her husband and is the reason that he wound up in prison and dead. Uh, but he turns the tables on her. And says what I believe it was Brendan Fitzpatrick who first brought this up, right? As a as a theory, yeah. Uh, that that Catherine Hale is the mole. That Catherine Hale is the one who betrayed her husband, and her reasons were basically like, we can't both go to jail. Only one of us can go. Uh, and he basically floats that out there. I thought that was fascinating that that was going to happen, and that that was the way that we were going to talk about this theory on the show, rather it, rather than it just being uh, like popping up as as fact. Um, but the way that she plays it off is like, how could you accuse me of that? Uh, and he's kind of like, you know, it's, it kind of makes sense. Um, and she's like, listen, uh, you know, it's, he says like, I'll forgive, I'll forgive everything. Like every, we can move on. We can make, you know, I'm, I'll make my peace with everything. I just want to hear you admit it. She's like, that's very generous of you, except for one little thing. I didn't do it. And Antonio, I don't know what to believe here because let's, let's accept both of these things as true for a second. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. I'm a lawyer. This is my specialty. Avery Markham, let's say he is not the rat. Let's say he did not rat on Grady Hale. Let us also say Catherine Hale did not rat 
on Grady Hill. Did right. not sell her husband out. Right. Now I'm raising my middle finger. Who did? <laughs> Who did? Who did it? Who's the mole? Who's the mole, 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 mole? And for my money, there's only one character, because you got to imagine that it's got to be a character on the show. Uh, it's, yep. it's, you know, it's the same thing with, like, the Drew Thompson thing. Like, it would have been really underwhelming if Drew Thompson turned out to be, like, Joe Schmuckadish Mohawk, who we'd never met before and just, like, kind of popped up out of nowhere. And it's like, I'm Drew Thompson. Uh, for it to be Shelby, a character that we had some investment in, uh, and great investment in if you were a fan of Deadwood and all these other great things that Jim Beaver has been a part of. Uh, for it to, to be a character who mattered, to be a character you had some history with, that's why the Drew Thompson reveal made sense. This show is making a big deal out of something that doesn't necessarily have to be a big deal. It could just be a character note for Catherine Hale. It could just be a character note for Avery Markham, and it never has to come up, uh, or it doesn't have to come up as often as it's coming up. For it to be coming up as often as, as it's coming up means that whoever did this is important. So let's just assume it's not Avery. Let's assume it's not Catherine. Gotta be Win Duffy, right? Gotta be Win Duffy, I think. Or, or there's a, there's a Drew Thompson type, somebody in hiding or some crazy Witsec kind of thing that happened that we don't know about because it's ancient history. Uh, and I don't know exactly what that would look like, but it's our art is involved and he's teasing around the edges of this, like Lester Freeman from the wire. He's taken these sort of just like historic things and trying to put them together or really like looking deep into the information. And he's asking himself the same questions that you are. And I love this role for art uh, because he's involved, but he's not involved. And he knows, in his martial gut that something is not right about this. Something's not sitting right with him. And now Rachel's saying, look, the case was made on wiretaps. We didn't have a mole. That was kind of the whole thing. And an art is like, no, no, I, I'm pretty sure there was a snitch. Like, but the district attorney died before we could find out. And it's so very like, oh, well, somebody knew who Drew Thompson was, but they died. So it's, it's very much in keeping with that. Uh, so it, it almost has to be Win Duffy. But on the other hand, I don't know that that's going to be I don't know. I just feel like that that won't it, it, the more the, the bigger deal they make out of this. I don't know that it's going to be that significant of a payoff if it was Win Duffy. Although if Win Duffy has all along been working a secret agenda or been kind of working on the outside, that that might be pretty interesting. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I think the thing is, is that like just looking back on the Drew Thompson thing, like it, it became, you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but like when you when you go back and you watch those episodes and you know that Shelby is Drew Thompson, there comes a point where I feel like it's pretty clear on the show. Like we've run out of people who it could really satisfyingly be. It's going to be Shelby. Shelby's got to be Drew Thompson. And I feel like maybe we're going to like, let's let's start looking at this from this perspective from now on. Uh, until, you know, until there's a reason for us not to, Antonio. Let's, yeah. let's start looking at Justified as though Win Duffy is the turncoat on Grady Hill. Uh, I, I'm and, ready to do it because I, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's interesting, you know, Grady Hill was his mentor. That's been made a big deal. He's got a very fond, he's got fond feelings towards Catherine Hale. He's got very legit reasons for wanting to go after Avery Markham because she's sleeping with him. Um, what if it's, what if it's a, a spurned lover, like a scorned lover that is trying to, you know, swoop his woman off her feet? What if that's part of what this is about? Forget it. Who cares? Who cares about what the motivations are? I think that, I think that there's history there. I think that there's reasons to suspect that Win Duffy could be the guy here. Um, and I don't know. I just think if it's not Avery, if it's not Catherine, I don't think that there's a third choice. Uh, if there is, I'm not seeing it. And uh, that would be probably, in my opinion, because that person hasn't really revealed themselves yet. Uh, and yeah. I think that, that would be unsatisfying. And I don't think Justified does unsatisfying. 
And it would be a little deus ex machina if it was somebody, uh, like, I don't is it know. Is going to be AUSA Vasquez? Like, That's what I'm out, saying. Yeah, it turned would, out it, to be like some like real like shit-eating, you know, law enforcement turncoat. Like, that's completely that's out not of character. The sh- it's just not the show. It right. just isn't what the show does. The show, in much more, would be in keeping for it to be Win Duffy. I think we're supposed to believe right now that we shouldn't believe Avery or Catherine. I think that Avery's horrible, menacing look on his face as he hugs Catherine Hale at the end of that scene there says it all. He doesn't trust her. Like he doesn't trust that she wasn't the mole. And, and he looks very, very unconvinced about that. So I think we as an audience are meant to believe that too. But then she turns and talks to Duffy and she's telling Duffy like, I, it wasn't me. Right. So it's like, she has no reason to lie to win in that moment, unless she really is just lying across the board. And I do think it's way more likely that it's win. And if it is, then that, that little scene, as well as many others, become much more uh, fun to watch on a rewatch. So I do think let's treat it like we're rewatching it. We already know when is, is the, uh, is the mole, the moly, 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 mole. And let's, uh, let's see what we can get out of that. Yeah. I think it's interesting. And I mean, you know, when Duffy is a man of many faults, uh, losing that mustache for a period of time, not a great choice. It's back now. You know, it's the, it's the, this is the win we like, uh, for his faults. He's got many, many strengths. (laughs) And one of them, aside from his killer tan, is his incredible poker face. This is a yeah. man who, like, religiously gets brain matter splashed on his face from, like, people who were just shot in the head nearby. And yep. he doesn't blink, and he just says, consider it done. <laughs> you know, this is a guy with a killer poker face. Uh, and I just feel like, I don't know, I, I feel like in, in these scenes where he's talking to her and saying, like, well, did you do it? Like, if you read that as a guy who did it. Uh, interesting to me, very interesting. So that's, that's my, that's my big takeaway from this scene, uh, with, with Catherine Hale and Avery, where they're both kind of accusing each other. I think it's, uh, I think it's worth treating this. I mean, I mean, suspect all of these people, suspect frickin' Raylan, if you'd like, suspect anybody you want. You know, I, I always feel the more suspicious you are, the better. But if I were to narrow it down to one candidate outside of Catherine and Avery, it's gotta be Win Duffy. Yeah, I think that's right. All right. Now let's talk about amateur hour. Now let's hit the trail. Let's hit the trail. This is amazing, right? This, I don't understand. I mean, okay, so on one level, there's one thing I really like about this. I really like that in typical justified form, we have outsiders who aren't from Kentucky trying to do a job in Kentucky and failing miserably when if they just had a little bit of Kentucky knowledge, they would have been able to pull this off. The fact that it would have been bear season a week later uh, and they would have had no issue getting away with this because the bears would have taken care of the body. I think that's great to know because it's like, oh, well, you just needed to put that damn thing on ice in the pizza portal for like a week and then after a week take it outside and a bear eats it no problem but they didn't know that so i don't understand what have they never disposed of a body before i know yeah well and like the whole like point where the where the where the marshal's card is in the wall and everything it's like what did did you guys what are you doing yeah so so there's there's that like uh sedan with no wear on the tires i know so I don't know. I mean, this like takes me to like the worst case scenario of the Zachariah thing of like, what if it's just not well thought out in the writer's room, which I, I, it's hard for me to, to, to suspect that because the show is so, you know, brilliantly written. Uh, it's, it's hard to accuse the, the writer's room of doing anything without really thinking it through. But then like the other alternative is like, ultimately these mercs are not very good at what they do, which I guess is what Raylan accuses them of. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and that is true. Like these are guys who maybe are a good security force. Their military kind of training makes them successful at certain operations, but they're not a criminal gang who's really good at murdering people and disposing of bodies, especially not when they're not on their home turf. They kind of just say, well, we'll just throw it in one of these backwoods hollers and it'll be fine. And it's like that, that's not really how you operate here. So, um, so, or, or maybe that is how you operate here, but you have to know exactly which one and when, and you have to know why uh, that you're putting it there. And then to just leave the body somewhere that it was quickly found with its identification on it, with the clear cause of death right there, uh, and drive your car and drive it away. You couldn't have painted a better, it's like a, not even a breadcrumb trail for Raylan. It's like a bread loaf trail. Right. Yeah, it's just like yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know. So so what what do you what do you think about that though? So we we can safely conclude that these guys are not very good at this. Um do you do you buy that from what we've learned of the characters so far? Do you do you see what I'm saying or do you agree at all with with my possibility that maybe this just is this thought out well in the room? Yeah, uh I see your possibility. I just feel like it's a conversation worth having. We haven't criticized the show basically at all. No, and I and I uh, think and it's that something it, I'm reluctant to do because I love the show, but I feel like it's worth having just you know, the Zachariah thing is a little weird. There's this that just to me felt a tiny bit off. Yeah, and they I mean I think that part of it is that uh that there was the dissension in the ranks to begin with. So that the the scene when they're talking about how do we dispose of the body, there was a lot of contempt in that scene. And I think the overarching theme that we see from from Tiger Security in this episode is that dissension in the ranks uh since they're so militaristic in nature uh can cause a lot of problems. We got a hint about that in a previous episode where Ty Walker uh, tried to speak out of turn to Avery Mark and Avery would just didn't want any part of it. He was like a general shooting him down and saying, that's not your place to tell me what to do. And I, I know what you I'm pulling rank on you. And and so this this sort of dissension within their military group can cause significant problems, whether it's um, having not not having Choo Choo around to help dispose of the body. Maybe like uh, maybe that was all the farther they could carry him. Maybe that was uh, because Choo Choo wasn't involved and Seabass was involved. Maybe that was all the work they could do. Choo Choo could have put that guy on his shoulder like a fireman and carried him around all of Harlan doing eight laps like he was trying to bring down the walls of Jericho. But that's certainly I don't know if he's got that endurance in him. Oh, dude, uh, I, I, I think he's. It's like a, he's like a train. Once you get him on the track, he's not going to stop. Choo-choo. Yeah, he, he'd probably go making that noise and pulling one hand all the time. But <laughs> but truth be told, I, I, I do think truth, there's a truth be told. Truth be told. Truth be told. I do think there's a possibility, at least that uh, that that is is, is some, somewhat in play, that the, the general theme of these guys is. Hey, they probably would work pretty well if they were a well-oiled machine, but their machine is not being that well-oiled for any number of reasons, not the least of which is related to Avery Markham's weakness and, and also some personal weakness that they have that, that it, it kind of goes outside the bounds of their military structure and reporting. So, I mean, if you, if, you, if you take it from that premise, it's like, yeah, this thing did get screwed up because they didn't follow protocol. If they would have just stuck with what the original plan was, it might have worked out a lot better. But once they went humanist on it and took the military aspect out, of it and actually try to you know go from a human standpoint that's when shit got screwed up and i think that says a lot about how they operate as a military unit more than anything but you're right um i don't think that that is if there's a if there's a negative that comes out of the writer's room on this it's just that i think that's a little more subtle and i don't think that's a negative because subtlety is great but if that's the general point i think we're going to see more of that going forward and that's the only reason i'm a little hesitant to criticize because we're reading one chapter of a book right right and all we've got to go on is 
is the chapters we've already read and, and the, the style that the book is usually written in. We don't know exactly where the book is going. So I think I'll flag that as another possible as another possible kind of outlier that this is not really what these guys are, are known for. But uh, but they don't have to be that good at their jobs. I mean, the the CO2 thing, that was a really neat trick. Um, that was a really efficient and effective way to do their business. But the marshals picked up on it. The marshals still picked up on it. The marshals still picked up on it. But you know what? Tim looked like a really, really smart guy putting that together. But honestly, anybody in Raylan's shoes with the information Raylan had could have put the, the the Calhoun body thing together. That did not take any kind of detective work whatsoever that Raylan did. Somebody told him, hey, there was a new sedan without a lot of tread marks. That This guy, his, his cause of death was somebody really, really strong hit him like a truck or maybe a train. Uh, and and you know, he had your card in his wallet. I mean, the number one suspect would have already been Ty Walker for Raylan anyway. Right, right. right. So it's like there was no detective work required here. Uh, I just felt like they needed to they needed to cut this guy up or put him in some acid or something like disappear this body, throw him in a coal shaft. I don't know where they left him, but it was it was no good. This is like they left him in Leakin Park. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's no there's no disagreement that these guys did a terrible job. Uh, yeah, there's no question. The question. The question is why there's no question that these guys did a terrible job. The question is why, if that's in character, or if it's in the writer's room, and you're saying let's let's give the writer's room a pass. I'm not saying a pass. I, th- I think we should put it on our radar because I'd like to put on our radar that it may have been. I think that the the predominant thing. I mean, what I why I think it's going to be hard for this season with these characters to last much more than a few more episodes is that there there's already dissension, very clear dissension. They've already exchanged shots with the marshals. Right. Uh, Raylan's already on to what their game is. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think the show wants them to last much more than a couple more episodes. And I don't think so either. And so I think that you know, it is the final season. We got a lot of stuff to wrap up uh i i feel i feel like this is being put if anything it might be happening a little faster than i'm ready for uh but it feels like they're they're trying to wrap this portion up uh at least like the ty walker guys up yeah and and what i would say is i think that a lot of uh of our characters who were outsiders coming into harlan were usually pretty good at what they did with varying degrees of success i mean daryl crow wasn't the best operator in florida but you know he wasn't he wasn't putting he, he didn't die uh and same goes for bobby quarles he he was a little bit off the rails in detroit and kentucky was kind of his big last ditch plan to make things work but he had clearly had some success in his career but i really like the idea that these people that come down to harlan County County are not ready to be in Harlan County. And as a result of not being ready to be in Harlan County, they usually find themselves on the outs, no matter what their rep was coming in, no matter if they're Theo Tonin or if they're Daryl Crow, like playing around in Harlan County is usually what takes them out. And, and I, and I like that, that the same thing seems to be happening here with Tiger security, who seems to be a pretty well-oiled machine, but is quickly coming apart at the seams. Right. Yeah. And I, I love this next scene too, at pizza portal where it, it's like a news flash to Avery Mark. What were they going to yeah. Do not tell Avery that they killed Calhoun uh, because it's brand new breaking news for Avery when Raylan and Tim come in and say, hey, you know, uh, Calhoun Schreier, uh, he's dead. Uh, uh, My realtor is is gone. Realtor is done. I think he says realtor this time. Raylan's learned how to pronounce it correctly. Uh, Yeah, so they're both in the market for someone new. Raylan and Avery are both in the market for a new realtor. uh, And he's dead. Calhoun's gone. And this is this is. News flash to Avery, and you can just like see the look on his face with uh, with these guys when he just says like, "You boys have something to tell me." 
Well, yeah, and it ties into kind of Rob Sesternino and I are talking about Better Call Saul on post-show recaps here. And one of the lines from this week's Better Call Saul was was regarding that that ultimately when you break it down, most criminals are actually a lot stupider than you think. And Saul kind of says, or Jimmy McGill, Saul kind of says, it breaks my heart a little bit to, to find that out. And that's a funny line for him to say on any number of levels. But uh, I, I do think it's great that Ty Walker is not a superhuman here, that he has some problems. And we've seen that from from him throughout the season. He snaps a couple of times. He gets very angry. Um, he he is not a superhuman. And this is a guy who served in, in active combat and had some horrible things happen right in front of him. So it makes sense that he maybe isn't the best put together. And one of the kind of sneaky good things Justified has done that maybe other TV shows have, have tried to be more about on the whole, but as a result, probably been kind of too blunt or too... Um, not nuanced, just kind of too overt, is that Justified has talked about veterans' issues in some ways. We see Tim Gutterson, and we know what he's dealt with, and we see kind of he's he's kind of a laconic, cynical, kind of negative guy who who does not have, have any kind of qualms about pulling the trigger and killing people. We saw what happened with Boyd uh, and, and his buddy and, and Tim's other buddy who were kind of drug addicted uh, last, you know, two seasons ago, Colt, uh, and, and Tim's buddy there, and they were kind of re- integrated veterans and they were having a hard time adjusting and here now we have ty walker who if he just came in and he was superhuman and he was perfect and he never made a mistake and he followed all the rules it would be good tv uh but it wouldn't be like the nuanced tv that we've gotten from justified so i like that he's screwing up i mean i I do like that i i like that it would be it would make a lot more sense and be you know like uh if they were just so perfectly efficient and and whatever but i in the context of the show i like that they're screwing up that said this was such a huge screw up big screw up it just didn't feel like um, like the show had kind of set off in a, in a clear enough way where this came from. Uh, even though I think if you tease at the edges of it a little bit and peel back the layers, I think you can see some of these things about where it might have come from with Ty Walker uh, being sort of impetuous and angry and not getting what he wants and wanting to speak out of turn. And the same thing going for his people and being too loyal to Choo Choo and things like that. Like you can see where he set himself up for this. But yeah, it's 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 really kind of like a major screw up and not telling Avery is a much bigger part of it, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to pick at it too much. I, I think you're right. I think when you tease at the seams of it, you can actually see where it's coming from. But uh, it was just one thing that, that came to mind. I was like, hey, I don't know. Uh, and that rarely happens for me. It's it's all over my notes because it's like, and it, the only reason I've teased at the seams here on this podcast is because I've been teasing at the seams since I saw it. Like, it it doesn't make a ton of sense to me that they would screw this up this big. Yeah, they screwed it up. It's almost like they wanted to be found. I like, know. it's almost that big of a deal. yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, even if you think about it, though, like, uh, like Seabass doesn't even cut Boyd's finger off, you know, like he doesn't he and he probably should have. He probably should have at least cut Boyd's finger off. He probably should have killed Boyd. Uh, so these are guys who, you know, you know, it's it, it's Raylan who says it right where he says, like, the, the thing is, is like you hired like, you know, you saw a bunch of guys who who looked great in camo. But when you when you put them here is like you hired a bunch of mercs because they look the shit in jungle fatigues and it turns out they know they know killing but they don't know crime uh and these are people who who you know the tiger security guys they they deal in half measures um so i think you know i'm i'm feeling better about it actually thinking about it when when you look back on it i think that there's actually a lot of evidence i mean choo choo you know starter taps a guy to death so there's a lot of reasons, like, you can see a lot of uh, F-ups along the way, actually, when, when you do stop down to think about it. So I feel better. I'm glad we talked this through. 
Yeah, yeah, me too. And and if, if anybody I think the out mor- there, the moral of the story is these guys are not great at <laughs> what they're doing, and that makes sense. I, I think it. I think it works. I think that's right. And and I I like that because it, they could they might be great in other atmospheres or elements, but you put them in Harlan and it there's a different set of rules that apply. And if there's one single thing about Harlan that this show has established is that that's true. You'll never leave Harlan alive. Like you put yourself in this mess like good luck. Yeah. Uh, also, and, very, very funny that Duke Davis Roberts uh, wrote something on Twitter where he says, uh, Chew never leave Harlan alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was, Hilarious, yeah, right? I thought that was great. Uh, but the, and, you know, that just brings to mind, I mean, it's going to come up in a, in a little while in a scene with Avery and Ty where, where Avery's recounting stories about Vietnam. But, like, kind of in a way, Harlan is like Vietnam. Like, you go in there thinking that you're the shit. You know, you're the, you're the well-trained soldier. You're the badass gang of mercs, and you're going to be able to come into this you know uh you know this backwoods uh, hillbilly town and just run the place but no these guys know where they're from they know their land they know their history they know where to hide they know where you're going to hide stuff they know how to get you before you get them uh it's it's interesting i i think that the parallel is there in, in a pretty big way yeah yeah and and i just uh i mean there's a lot there's a lot to tease out at that so i mean i i agree i think it's uh it's sad for Choo Choo, though, man. So sad. Sad for Choo Choo. I mean, listen, we are we are going through this episode at a snail's pace. I hope you guys are okay with that because there's a lot to unpack here. This is this is a big one. Antonio, are you doing okay on time? I'm fine. Okay, you're doing all right. Uh, so so let's talk about that. Yeah, Choo Choo and and picking up the call girl, and it's just so sad because she's saying saying things like uh, she's like, I like how you talk slow. You know, you say what you mean. And he's like, oh, you ever wish things wouldn't happen the way they are. Uh, and she's just like immediately she's probably just like oh god <laughs> like oh no you're coming after me uh that was sad yeah and and i really like the sound design in this scene you can hear a faint train in the distance uh and i think that that's uh that's pretty pretty good little hint about what we see later in the episode i mean choo choo's paying for it here so it's like dude you're paying for it don't fall for it like she's really good at her job she's immediately making a and you're paying for the gfe at this point like don't do that dude like it's just sad i knew i knew in this in this moment for sure that he was going to die in this episode and it was tough yeah it's sad very sad um all right so we got a quick scene here at the mine where everybody's going back to work i don't think there's too much to talk about here except for the fact that i guess chupacabras are things that exist in the world of justified oh yeah harlan is big on the chups yeah yeah i think the actual big thing to talk about here is the fact that carl brings a gun into the mine shaft yep yep carl alert just keep your eye on that guy yep and he he's he's on the outs as a result of it and uh this is not good it's not good you know he's up to something no good and if if zachariah is trying to kill boyd and if carl's trying to kill boyd and raylan's coming after boyd and ava's coming after boyd everybody hates boyd uh boyd really needs to needs to figure out what's going on here yeah i think i think pretty clearly i i do not trust carl one lick I don't either. And I don't know exactly why he bought the gun, the, the rattlesnake copperhead thing. I'm not buying that. So he's, he's clearly, I mean, it seems like with him and Zachariah and I, I don't want to be Boyd Crowder right now. No, that'd be a bad idea. Yeah, this is bad. That's not good. Uh, so yeah, we, we talked about this a little bit too. We alluded to this uh, earlier about Art's new role. Art as kind of the, you know, forced into retirement. He was already going to retire anyway, but forced into early retirement from his injury. Uh, here he is in the marshal's office for the first time all season, walking around on a cane, uh, rocking a pretty neat beard, I got to say. 
Yeah, looking good. Looking pretty good. Gotta say, gotta gotta give credit where it's due to Art Moen. He looks good here. Uh, and there's some back and forth here between Art and Rachel where it's, once again, they're bringing up this idea of who was the, you know, there was no official CI in the case against Grady Hale, but we know that they had an inside man. Why is the show bringing this up unless it's going to be a big deal? It's going to be a big deal. That's it. That's the reason why. And I think I think we really like like we we said we talked about this, and uh, I think it's going to end up being somebody that we know. So it almost has to be win. But uh, I think it's it, this is really coming to the forefront. And like I said, kudos to to Brendan Fitzpatrick for kind of sniffing this out a few weeks ago. But uh, but who who the mole is is a major deal in this uh, in this season of Justified. So I like that Art's there. I also like that he's kind of giving Rachel advice on Raylan, uh, and not really telling her what to do but uh but to kind of suggest that uh is is kind of a sneaky way to do that and he's kind of like do what you want here's what i would do right and and i think that's that's kind of clever well i like the scene too because i always feel like you know when art was uh was was the head of the marshal's office and he was always having to deal with these problems with raylan like you wouldn't really see his thought process at all because the you know your eyes and ears in the show for the most part is raylan it's going to be pretty rare that you're going to have a scene in the marshal's office uh that's about raylan that doesn't involve Raylan. I feel like I, I'm having a hard time even thinking of one. I'm sure, yeah. that, I'm sure that there is, but like, it's just, it's, it's so rare that it's not readily coming to mind. And so to have a scene here between, between art and Rachel talking about Raylan and like the process of dealing with like a problem, uh, employee, uh, like a problem employee who poses so many annoying obstacles for you, but is also really the only tool in your toolbox that can get the job done. Uh, and, you know, weighing out the balance of like, uh, like if we throw, you know, this, this wrench sucks, but it's the only thing that's going to get this thing done. Do I throw away the wrench and start over or do I just keep using this, you know, crappy wrench? Uh, it, it's an interesting conversation to have to like see other people talking about the problems that Raylan poses. I really like the scene for that reason. Yeah, me too. Um, so let's, let's go from there. Oh man. Uh, Raylan, Raylan and Tim having, uh, having a great conversation in this car, uh, about how really this whole thing is starting to blow up because, uh, Cal, the Calhoun killers are just a bunch of idiots. Uh, and what, what does Raylan say that Tim wants to write down? Did he say it slow enough so that you could write this down, Antonio? He did. I, I just, I wrote down actually, Tim is me. I am Tim. <laughs> he says, wonderful things can happen when you sow seeds of distrust in a garden of assholes. Yeah, that is truly poetic. That's beautiful. Did he learn that from his English teacher? <laughs> <laughs> that was one thing he might've learned from his English teacher. Yeah, that's a really good line. Uh, and I love how much Tim likes that line. Ah, Tim. So great. It's so good to have so much Tim before he gets shot in the face later in the season. Yeah. And, and I, <laughs> that's really funny. Um, I, I think that, uh, the, the kind of sneaky little sub, the sub context besides the fact that Tim's going to get shot in the face is that's an Elmore Leonard line, by the way. Is it? Yeah. It's from, uh, something Elmore Leonard wrote called glitz, I think. Uh, and, that's a it's just a really nice little shout out uh, and a tie in that that Raylan Givens, the character, has, I can't remember exactly where he read it, but he did read it somewhere. And yeah. I'm pretty sure he read it. No more Leonard. So oh, that, that's uh, cool. I like that yeah, a lot. It's a nice little connection there uh, to, to Elmore Leonard and his legacy with the show. It's a really clever little thing. I, had, I mean, I looked it up really basically as soon as it happened. So um, that uh, that's something that that is a really nice little tie in. And, you know, I think it does say the so seeds of distrust in a garden of assholes kind of thing. Um, I think Raylan's kind of taking credit 
for for this. I think Raylan's kind of saying like, look, these guys are screwing up because I we we're we're, we're poking at them, right, we're putting right. them in a tough spot, uh, and we're sowing seeds of distrust in their garden, and as a result, they're really screwing up, and those wonderful things are happening. And I'm thinking, does Raylan really think Calhoun being killed is a wonderful thing? Yeah, you don't even think like following that thread through a little bit more. Let's say that, you know, Raylan is pushing Boyd on the Dewey Crow thing because he suspects that Boyd has killed Dewey Crow. He's like losing no sleep over it. Yep, he's not at all. You know, newsflash, Raylan Givens is an asshole. I don't think is uh, really going to uh, break any, you know, break. It's not breaking news. This is something that we know about Raylan. We, we love Raylan. He's a great character. Dude's a dick. He's an asshole. Yeah. Uh, so not not exactly breaking news. Uh, speaking of breaking news, Ava is cutting in, uh, call, calling into Raylan to to. I think that she gives. Does she give up the name of the mine that they're working at? No, she doesn't have that information yet. No, no. Uh, but she does say that her that her uncle is working with Boyd, and like uh, you know, I think that they're they're working to get. They're probably working together on some sort of mining thing. She's just trying to give him some information, even though uh, Earl is in the house, basically watching after her. Uh, and like she's whispering to give in. Like Raylan's like, listen, don't whisper to me like when you've got a bad guy next door. Like don't like don't bother, but I appreciate you looking out. And it looks like Ava's back on message. Yeah, and and she uh, maybe it's because she's worried about her uncle or doesn't trust him or I don't know exactly why, but yeah, she's definitely back on message. I think here. that and I think that the end, you know, the end of last week's episode did not end with them, you know, going to Bone Town, but I do think that it it built some trust between these two again. I do think that once again, Ava and Raylan are on the same page. Um, you know, I think that we'd been led to question which side is Ava taking, which deal is she going to go with? Is she going to is she going to run off on her own? That didn't work out so well is she going to run off with boyd i think she would have if boyd was running away um now that those two options are basically off the table and raylan has said to her like i i will do all of these things this is the stuff that i can do for you and she you know before she kisses him makes that line where she says there's got to be a special place in hell for a man who breaks a promise to a woman i feel like she's on the raylan thing right now um and that's you know it's my interpretation it could be someone else has a different interpretation but i interpret it as as of this moment, Ava is Team Raylan. Yeah, I think that's right, uh, and and I don't know, I don't know where that will end up because it's as of this moment, and so that seems to vacillate for her. But I, I do think you're right. I think as of this moment, she's in, and she's wanting to help to the extent that she can. I also don't think she really likes the babysitter. To be perfectly honest with you. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think she likes, I don't think she likes having that. The babysitter himself or the idea of having the the idea of having the babysitter. I don't think she likes the idea of having the babysitter. I think that she is a strong, fierce, independent woman. And not only does she not like having her life uh, jeopardized, I just don't think she likes the idea that Boyd might not trust her and and might be putting the babysitter in play for that reason. Uh, and I think overall, I don't think she, she feels great about that. I don't think she feels independent and and the kind of things that mean a lot to Ava Crowder. Uh, this is somebody who just tried to run away. Uh, and now she's come back to a situation where she's literally being watched all of the time. Yeah. So this is not something that, uh, that she is, is taking very well to, I don't think. No. So I, I think that she's team railing right now. Yeah, I think so too. Um, all right. So Catherine and Wynn, let's, let's, let's go into this scene with Catherine and Wynn with our, with our, our suspicion in, in full tilt right now. Let's look, let's look at Wynn Duffy as though he is the mole. What do you think of this scene with Wynn trying to, you know, reason out why, 
Avery Markham has proposed to Catherine. What do you think of this if you're looking at it through this lens? I think the best thing about it is he says, well, we're going to have to kill him either way. Yeah, we got to you know? kill him either like, way. I, 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 I mean, he's like basically saying like, I don't like this guy. I don't like that he's he's trying to tease this out. I don't like that he's really that the thorn. I'm, I have Catherine convinced that it's him. I don't like that he might be able to convince her elsewise because uh, that will throw the heat. We're just going to kill this guy. And Catherine's like, yeah, but if, if it was him, we're going to have to kill him slow if he's playing me. It's like, damn, Catherine Hale, Josh had to love that. I love her so much. And I you love know, that. Get a little bit of a Marshall stiffy. Uh, it's more like a podcaster stiffy, but yeah, like, and I, I just kind of feel like, um, th- this is another interesting line to me. I, I, I don't know if I got this down verbatim, but it's close. This is something that Wynn says, and you just teased it out a little bit, but Wynn says, uh, the fact that he asked you to marry, uh, marry him doesn't mean he's not playing you. Do you want me to look into it? See if I can dig up some proof. He's talking about, uh, you know, about the whole mole thing. Yep. He says, uh, I'm just not sure it matters because either way we have to kill him. This is exactly what you would say if you were the guy. If no you, if doubt. If you were the rat. Uh, like, you would just, like, be very casual about it. You would just try to, like, put it off and be like, who cares? We know it's him. Like, we got to kill him no matter what. Let's just assume it's him. Yep. Uh, when Duffy's the mole. We, you, I, I like it. Weasel, I like weasel it. win. Weasel win. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, think, uh, I think that that's happening. I think, way, to, way to ferret that out, man. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's a thing. Um. All right. Where do we go from here? Oh, so this is this. Oh, this is a sad scene this here. This is the sad scene where Avery's, you know, talking about like we have to kill him either way. This is Avery saying we got, you know, it needs to be done. We got to put down Choo Choo. Yeah. Um, and Ty is like, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Choo Choo and I were in the sandbox together. I was in the Humvee right behind his when he got blown up uh, by an IED. Uh, their car flipped over. It landed on our hood when you know we we opened up the door. Uh, you wouldn't think anyone could be alive in there. There were medics picking splinters of the driver's bones out of Choo Choo's face, and he gets to live through that? No way. So you really feel for, for Ty in this moment. You really feel for Choo Choo as well, where it's like, wow, that's graphic detail about what this guy went through. Yeah. Uh, and and for, for Ty to basically be like, no way. Uh, I am, I'm not killing this guy. Uh, there's, it's not happening. Like, I'm not doing that. He's been through too much. I've seen him through too Like, we've been through too much. And then Avery gives him his story, uh, about how when he was in Vietnam, uh, and they found, uh, a Viet Cong who had stepped on a punt in a punji pit in the dark. Uh, punji sticks are not meant to kill. They're covered in excrement to make the wounds infect. Uh, and so rather than being a drag on his comrades, trying to help him out of there and trying to carry him around, he just put a gun in his mouth and killed himself. And Ty translates that to one man dies so the others can live. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think that that, uh, is, I mean, it's a very powerful story for the, the circumstance, but look, these guys, tiger security, they are hardly the Viet Cong. Like they are not organized. They are not. No, I mean, the, they're the Americans. <laughs> they really are. The yeah. Viet Cong are the people that they're fighting in Harlan, who are right. the natives to the area and who are the people that are used to it. And so I don't think that Avery Markham is really that aware of the subtext of what he's saying. I think he's telling an illustrative story about a time when he went somewhere and the local people that he dealt with were so much more organized and so much more disciplined. And, and he admires that and saw that as necessary. And he may be saying like, look, um, 
you got to step your game up. We got to be more like that. If we're not more like that, then we're too human and we're, we're, we're going to be weak because the whole unit will be jeopardized. And so again, I do think that that is kind of a means, uh, and a way of underscoring the, the kind of screw ups they've been doing. A lot of times they've been screwing up for human reasons and I, and they haven't been militaristic enough. So I think it's a, it's a very good story. I mean, the only thing Ty was interested in killing was that scene like Garrett Dillahan is, Incredible, And, of course, he's working with Sam Elliott, so it's going to come off great. But he just does such a good job of playing all the emotions across the board there in that scene. Uh, and then, unfortunately, it ends with um, Markham saying, you know, real leadership's about making hard choices. And then almost as soon as that happens, Choo Choo's calling Ty Walker. And he's making it clear that he's basically trying to scare the girl into not talking rather than uh, than actually kill her. And that, that makes it pretty clear to Ty what has to be done. Yeah, Choo Choo kind of makes the call for Ty. Uh, yep. In calling Ty, he makes the call for Ty. And like yep. he even said, like, he's like... Choo Choo call Ty. Yeah. Choo Choo call Ty real good. Yeah, real good. And Choo Choo, yeah, Choo Choo says like, uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't think we need to kill her. I don't, th- I don't think she's going to burn us. She told me. And Ty's like, she told you. Uh, he's like, yeah, she's bound in the back. Like, yeah, we're, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Oh boy. And like right there at the table, you just know, cause you know, Ty says like, this sounds like a conversation we should be having face to face. Uh, and yeah, you, you know where that's going from there. And I wasn't convinced yet that Choo Choo would die just cause I still, I, I was holding on so much hope for Choo Choo, but it obviously was not looking good there. Uh, very, very bad. Before we leave this scene, there's a great story about the punji pit, uh, that I didn't, I didn't know about until I read this. Uh, I don't, I don't know if they'd even talked about it before, but it was the first time I'd encountered it, uh, with this, this Graham Yost postmortem that he does at Yahoo. Uh, you read about this, right? Yep. Um, can, can you give a, a quick rundown of what the punji pit story is? Why Avery has this story about, uh, the punji sticks in Vietnam and how that relates to justified as kind of like an in-joke? Yeah. So basically there was a, there was a discussion and I think it was in season two about writing the sort of punji pick kind of story, because the idea was that these, these people in Harlan uh, would have served in Vietnam and might've picked up some tricks from the Viet Cong and that the Harlan Viet Cong connection was a lot more clear in that regard. And maybe they wanted to write somebody in Harlan setting up a punji pit to, to kind of hurt somebody um, later on down the line. And one of the writers asked like, well, how many uh, punji pit is of course a sharpened stick that you throw in a pit and, it, and it's sort of like the uh, the 21 foot rule with the Danny Crow uh, scenario where fall in the hole something sharp sticks into you and that's the end of it right so one of the writers asked like uh, hey how many sticks are in are in a punchy pit and then everyone kind of looks at that writer like what are you like what how you're, many sticks <laughs> yeah like you're really getting a little too far afield my friend like that is the level of detail that we don't need to really hit we don't really need to go into that we don't really need to tease that out and so then subsequently in the writer's room, it's become a running joke. Like they're going to punchy town or they're going to punchy land. Anytime somebody writes like something that is too detailed or somebody gets caught up in the minutia of a scene or something that they're writing, they're like, Oh, punchy town. You know, they're like, how's the weather in punchy town today? So they uh, snuck this back in here in this final season as sort of a, kind of a, a, a nice nod to an inside joke for their writer's room more than anything. This show is having such a good time with its final season. I think so too. It's so it's so clear. It's great. Really good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was fun worth sharing. Um, okay. Uh, what do you think of this scene with at back at Ava's? It's her, you know, kind of having a conversation with Earl for the first time. So Earl was the guy who's like, Oh, you're Boyd's girl. Uh, and like, there's all this talk once again about how Ava was just like the prettiest girl in high school. And everyone was in love with Ava. 
Yeah. And I think that uh, we had a tweet about that uh, from Anne F- uh, Fierro and Anne said, you know, yet again, more references to Ava being the pretty girl in high school. This has to have some payoff, right? Like, why are is this like Leslie Nope telling Anne she's beautiful on Parks and Rec? Or, Josh, do you think like this is going to have some bigger payoff that she's going to take advantage of this at some level? Or is this just a character note? It might be just a character note. Um, how would it pay off? Um yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, I mean, it could pay off with her using that against somebody. Right. Like, or, you know, somebody's ca- carrying a torch for her because of that. And right, it's a weapon she, she has. She can use that as a weapon. And, of course, the person that she could weaponize against is, is Earl, right? Could be Earl. It could be Carl because Carl's the guy that, she's, that he's talking about. He's That's talking a good about, point. That's a good point. His older brother is the one who really had the hots for her. And that's interesting because they haven't really had any scenes together that I can think of. Uh, or, or many at least. I can't even. I can't really think of one because he really didn't come into the picture until season five, I think, uh, and she was in jail the whole time, so they wouldn't really have met. Um, and I can't think of many opportunities, if any, that they would have met this season so far. So I don't feel like they've met. Uh, and if he's like really got the hots for her, and if we're thinking that Carl is like trying to get after Boyd, what is Carl's plan to like uh, swoop in and like? you know, get the girl that he's been like secretly crushing on and in love with for all these years. Yeah, I, I doubt it. But yeah, I doubt it. But you but, know, but it's possible. It's possible. Not out of the it, realm of possibility. And I'm just, you know, I, I don't I don't know why they keep bringing it up other than like just to maybe just to reinforce how important and how much of like a kind of an icon Ava is Crowder, to, this, yeah, yeah. to this certain like generation of people in Harlan um, and really kind of like spanning generations too, you know, with her, with her uncle Zachariah in the picture here. And the fact that like, she's, you know, at least at one point in time had a great relationship with Limehouse and like, she's touched a lot of lives in, in Harlan. Uh, this could be a very good or a very bad thing, depending on, on your read, like that you could, you could like, take that piece off the board and you could watch how everybody crumbles. Like that's, that's my fear. Like that's the worst case scenario is like, they're setting all of this stuff up so that when they kill Ava off, it's going to be really, really gut wrenching for everybody. Um, so I'm not really, really sure, um, where it's going. Uh, but it's interesting. Definitely, definitely interesting that it keeps coming up. Uh, it also, it does serve her in that it's like, it disarms people. And she has this scene with Earl where she's able to get the name of the mine, uh, that everybody's working at. So she just got some big info. She doesn't end up sharing it with anybody because, uh, the rest of her appearances in the episode, I think there's only one more, uh, is, you know, she's cooking dinner and she hasn't called Raylan or anything, but she's got some really primo info to give to Raylan if she gets to have a chance to talk to Raylan which is very much in doubt based on the end of this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's very much in doubt. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. All right. And then briefly in the mind, we talked about this. I don't know how much there is for us to say is just this scene where, uh, where Boyd falls into the pit. I mean, it was just terrifying. You know, you don't really think that Boyd is going to die in this episode. It's way too early. And w- what an, what an anticlimactic way for a character we've spent so many seasons with to die this way. Uh, but it's still very scary. And like, I don't know about you. I'm not like a super claustrophobic type of guy, but I do have like this recurring nightmare, Antonio, of like being on the playground from kindergarten. And like, it was like this big, like wooden castle contraption. And there would like be like places you could crawl through. And in my nightmare, like you crawl through the contraption and it just like constricts and constricts and constricts the deeper and deeper you go in and you can't turn around and you can't get back. And there's like no discernible way of getting out. And it's really horrifying and you can't wake up from it and you can't breathe. 
And that's kind of what I was feeling while I was watching the scene with Boyd. I was like, ah, oh, my nightmare. My kindergarten nightmare is happening right in front of me on, on this television show. They, uh, they wrote that just for you, my friend. I, th- I feel like they did. He fell in it, the pit. I hope I don't feel like, I, I hope I don't pit. sound like too much of a Looney Tune uh, sharing that story. Uh, oh, no. Very sensitive, very sensitive it, story that I just shared. It isn't, it isn't that story that makes you sound like a Looney Tune. Oh, no. Was it my, uh, my Aladdin references? <laughs> no. No, that's not Looney Tunes. That's Disney. That is Disney. That's right. All right. Uh, is there anything more to say about this story, though, with the, with the mine? No, I'm just I mean, glad. We'll, we'll get back to it again in a second. I, I'm glad that you're okay, Josh. I'm all right. I'm doing okay. Uh, they. Do you, are, what do you think? Did you ever analyze that dream? Do you ever think that no, it meant anything? No, shut up. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, uh, I'm Get remembering. Out of my head. I'm you're, remembering. You're not my dad. I'm remembering that time that we were in that. Uh, no, no, very... no, 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 no. No? Nope. Okay. Not, not right. today. Not today. All right. All right. Uh, all right. Let's get out of the mine for a second. Let's have uh, a tight spot. Oh, tight spot. Y- here's one other thing that I liked about the scene in the mine is like afterwards in Zachariah, who has previously said in, in either in this scene or maybe it's coming up later, but he says like the only place I'm happy is in the hole. Uh, and I, I love. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, oh, come on. And I love how he says, welcome to the dance, son. Like that's just such like, like a Lapidus line. Yeah, that was great. And, yeah. uh. Yeah, and 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 I he's just a great he's Jeff A's really bringing it, and I, I like that it's like you said there's some sort of goodness in his eyes, but there's also like the craziness with his with the way he kind of is carrying himself across the board, and you think the craziness might be a little bit of a put on there's in some respects. There's yeah, a there's a lot going on with this performance, so I like it. And I just realized something when you had that dream, you were in fact a minor. I was. <laughs> <laughs> And thanks everybody for the Justified Podcast. Uh, yes, this is a, this is a dad jokes. <laughs> yeah, this is you just dad jokes. That's what we do here. <laughs> Unbelievable! I gotta yeah. get out of here. I gotta. Right. I gotta go. I gotta get out of this thing. I can't turn you gotta around. Go up. You we're gotta too, go up top. You gotta go up top. Far. We're too far. There's no way of turning around. Uh, we'll just keep going. We'll keep going through the hole and talking about the rest of this episode. So okay. let's talk about the next scene. We did have a tweet, uh, and I think this introduces it well, from Ed Krimmer. And Ed said, yeah, why couldn't our heroes shoot worth a lick all of a sudden, especially Tim? I know Raylan's out of practice, but – so yeah, this next scene, we get a shootout, and it's really sloppy. It's very sloppy. Um, it's a good question, and I hate to bring it up again. Do I have to bring it up again, or do you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. It's a, you, you're, are you saying it's a little convenient? It's just uh, there's there's just a couple of things in this episode that felt like uncharacter, uncharacteristically sloppy for Justified. Just a yeah. little bit like uh, a little inconsistent. Um, and like I feel better about about the other things. Like I feel better about the Tiger Hawk thing. Uh, that these guys are just not great at what they do, and it's been established. And if you look back, there are patterns that lead to that conclusion. It's on the show. Uh, if you look at the Zachariah thing as if like he's trying to build some trust with Boyd for some purpose that has yet to be revealed, I'm willing to hold out for that. But Tim Gutterson is the guy who shoots you in the apricot. Yeah, it's true. And one thing I'll say is the whole thing was sort of frantic and he didn't get a really great chance to kind of set up and really do his sniping thing. He's not a, you know, he's not a trick shooter. He's not a kind of guy who can ride around on a horse and spin his gun around and shoot moving targets. He's a sniper. And so I don't know to what extent him having to kind of respond very quickly and not really get a good shot played in here. How, how, and I'm, and I'm being just as critical here. I think that the way it was directed and staged was 
was was meant to show kind of a sort of frantic uh, sort of kind of insanity. But I don't think in that staging, I don't think it came off that the reason that Ty Walker is still alive or the reason that Choo Choo didn't get hit in the apricot is because Tim wasn't able to get a good shot. But I, I mean, I could buy that. I just don't think it came off in the staging. I think that's it. Uh, it's just it, it didn't play totally right. And, you know, of all the things that you expect from from Tim Gutterson, there's two things. It's like he's got to be really quippy, like his his dialogue's got to be sharp uh, and, and short and sweet and, this, and, this, and stinging. This isn't where I park my car. You know, like, there's just there's things like that. And then and then he's got to shoot you in the apricot. Like if, yep. he, if he's aiming for you. He shoots where where he means, and so it's just it was just a little bit of a thing where it's like that's not the Tim I know. No, and and it was a it was a very frantic situation. It kind of popped off real quick, so I give him a little bit of a pass, but I don't I don't give the the way it was staged a pass. I think that if that's why it happened, then it, it didn't really play that way. Um, show him fumbling with the gun, like show him having to dive and and just dropping it. Anything really? I mean, it, the the way it was staged was like, well, they got in a shootout with the marshals. Tim didn't shoot anybody, even though he fired several shots or he winged Ty Walker, but it didn't hit him in the head or or whatever. It just didn't didn't play like it like Tim was being Tim here. Right, right, right. And we don't have any other reason to believe or to know why Tim wouldn't be Tim. It's not like he's had some long ongoing arc about getting the yips or something like that. Like we don't have something to set up why he wouldn't be Tim in this situation. Maybe he's still just like thinking too much about that thing Raylan says like, God, that was good. Oh man, it's gardens of assholes. It's fantastic. Yeah, you can't get out of the gardens of assholes. <laughs> uh, but I mean, all right. So forgiving that, still an intense scene where like it's it's already bad enough that uh, that Ty comes up here is like chooch. Hey, so we really got to do this thing, right? Uh, you got to kill her like you were ordered to, and and Tim and Raylan are like, kill her like you're ordered to. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh God. So this already very tense thing where you feel like Ty is just gonna straight up execute these people now gets all the more complicated because Raylan and Tim are there, and you can't walk this back. You know, you no. can't you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, Antonio. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Oh, <laughs> you sure can. The phenomenal cosmic powers, but an itty bitty living space. Itty bitty living space. Uh, yeah. So I feel like, you know, this is the moment where like I now now I think that they're all going to get killed. And part of me is like, really, we're going to let Seabass be the one guy who's still alive out of this crew. Uh, but no, they they find a way to get it so that Ty just like sustains. It looked like it looked like he didn't get shot too bad. Yeah, he, he kind of took a, a shot in the shoulder, but uh, I don't yeah, think it was, it was uh, like a, a shoulder, maybe a leg shot. It didn't look like he got like chest shot, but who knows? Yeah. And and he clearly absconded. So the the problem is now, though, his he's shot at federal agents. He's going to be a wanted man. Uh, his place of operations is clear as day. Uh, there's enough there to get a warrant to get into pizza portal. Like, I feel like the whole thing's about to blow up yeah. uh, with regard to with regard to Tiger security. And that's why it's like, oh, there's only two episodes left. That's why it's a funny joke, because it sure seems like there should be like. Yeah. As you said, penultimate or maybe episode before penultimate. But no, this is something that is uh, that, that we're going to continue, but maybe not with this particular storyline. By the way, a little local color here. The word uh, not local, but I'm Italian. 
the word chooch in Italian, it's like slang for just like jackass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of it was funny that he called him chooch. I thought that was a nice little term of endearment, but it's a term of like disendearment uh, if you speak Italian. That's funny. That's good. Yeah. Poor uh, chooch. Poor yeah, chooch. Poor chooch indeed. But yeah, no, it's it's a you know, you know, what else is funny. We've, we've been talking a lot uh, earlier in the season about how like Ty Walker is such a kind of a, a threatening, imposing type of character because like. It always feels like he could get violent at any moment. It always feels like he could pull that gun out and like he could he could have walked back into Boyd's bar and just like shot up Carl and Earl or whoever was around and then really make a threat to Boyd. He you know when he's talking to the bank teller and holding her groceries and he gives the groceries back, he could easily just like pull out a gun and pop her. That had never been his character. And we kept talking about like what's it going to look like when he finally does get to be violent? Like it's going to be pretty intense, you have to imagine. It turns out it's not very good. Uh, no. It doesn't, you know, there's not, it's, it's fireworks go off, but it's not because he's like some badass. It's actually because he's a bit of a dink. Um, so there you go. Justify just always playing with your, your expectations. So I thought that was, that was, uh, that was a nice little, uh, turnabout. That's not what I was expecting for the moment that, uh, we finally get to see Ty Walker in some kind of gunfight. I didn't expect it for him to just kind of look like a big wussy. Yeah. And, and I don't know, um, Again, I don't know exactly what it says about them that I think the predominant theme seems to be, hey, they might have been a pretty damn good military unit, but they're not that great at what they're doing here. Like they're maybe good at covert ops, like sneaking in and 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 turning up the CO2 on the heater, but they're not necessarily great at uh, at really these sort of moment to moment criminal actions. And that, that seems to be showing up here. Yeah, a little bit. All right. Back of the mine. Uh handsome man that's what we're calling this guy yeah i think it was like mr pig or mr handsome i feel like i've seen both of them mr handsome uh why i mean he's a handsome looking guy yeah well that's uh, that's apparently the actor's name so is that handsome guy or <laughs> mr handsome he changed it or guy handsome guy handsome guy dangerous handsome. middle name uh yeah no i'm i'm uh, just looking at the at the graham yost interview right now and he's referred to there as mr handsome aka the pig uh, the pig. I don't get that. I'm just going to call him Mr. Handsome. I think that's a better name for Because <laughs> that more, makes a little more sense. More respectful, at least. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Zachariah is just going to push this guy down in the hole once Mr. Handsome, uh, you know, figures out that uh, that this is um, it's it's no good. Uh, there's there's something to miss. It's not rot. It's like it looks like somebody cut this hole. Yeah, not good. Yeah. Uh, shades of, of Jafar pushing Aladdin into the Cave of Wonders, right? <laughs> Just a little bit of a shade, yeah. Mr. Handsome, give me the lamp! It's barbaric, but hey, it's home. It's home. Oh, they've changed that, haven't they? I, what do you mean? I don't think they say barbaric anymore. What do they say now? Uh, it's authentic, maybe? I don't know. It caused a lot of problems call, causing the, the Middle East a barbaric place. Um, I think they changed the lyric to... I, hold on, I'll tell you what, what it was. Give me, And then we're on this topic anyway. I may as well finish the story here. Yeah, oh, are you Googling Arabian Nights lyrics right now? Because I can just <laughs> tell you that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, uh, they've changed the lyrics. Barbaric. Oh, in the lyrics I'm looking up, it's still barbaric. But hey. Where it's flat and immense and the heat is intense. Uh, the barbaric line rem- remains. Uh, I don't know. I feel like this is a controversy. I don't know if they actually changed it. All right. Well, after the fact, well, I'm sure that everybody right now is uh, is yelling at the podcast saying, of course, they didn't change it. It's still barbaric. Or maybe they have the answer. Either way, let us know. You know how to get at us. Tweet at us. Yeah, they used to say where they cut off your ear if you don't like your if they don't like your face. Is that true? Yeah, That's that was what the, the original, original lyrics Nights? of Arabian Nights. Disney, yeah. my, my yeah. goodness. 
Uh, well, I mean, I guess that, you know, with all the sexual innuendos, this isn't like the most risque thing that they've... Uh, that no, they've no, that's this, not. This podcast has really become Jafarstified. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how this happened. Well, at, least is, we have, at least we have a hashtag. This is a really unexpected turn of events. Uh, I did not expect to be going this deep down into the Disney hole with you today, Antonio. <laughs> I hope that's not a metaphor. Oh, God, it might be. Oh, no. It might be. Oh, I'll shove you into the Cave of Wonders, my friend. Oh, God, get out of here. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Hey, have you seen my carpet? All right. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, everybody is like, hey, we've got all these people looking for Ty Walker and Choo Choo, and we're going to find them, and everything's going to be great. And Tim, get your rifle out of the trunk. We're rolling in five. I hope we get to see that, by the way. I hope that the next episode doesn't yada yada through Tim rolling out with his with his rifle. I hope that we're going hunting for Ty Walker. We have to. We have to. That'd be awesome. Like That's, that's, like, that's the kind of thing I want to see from Justified. I don't want us to like start the next morning. I want to see Tim Gutterson behind that rifle. He's got to atone for this uh, shootout here. I agree. Uh, also, did you like Rachel? Just like be like, nope, got nothing for you, Raylan. It was uncomfortable. I'll say that uh, because she's clearly making that decision in the moment, and uh, and I just I wasn't I was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. Yeah, and then Choo Choo dies on the train tracks. Yeah, then uh, Choo Choo dies on the tracks. I did, Graham, you, th- did you think he was going to get run down? I did, uh, and I, I I'm glad he didn't uh, because I'm you know I'm glad that it it wasn't that on the nose, but uh, I'm glad that it, they found a way to kind of serve two masters with that because Graham Yost and his kind of post mortem of this episode said it was actually uh, Timothy Oliphant's idea of of calling him Choo Choo and not just Mundo, and that by calling him Choo Choo, then he could die on the train tracks. That that would be a really kind of cool thing, and they thought uh, if he gets hit by a train, maybe a little too on the nose, but if we find a way to also just have him die there, that would also work and. R.I.P. Choo Choo. R.I.P. Choo Choo. Very yeah. sad. Yeah, that's uh, it's really too bad. Um, I guess I got one question for you here. My understanding, and I, you guys can tweet at us or put us in the comments. Put me on blast in the comments if oh, I'm God. wrong. I feel like there's a joke coming. No, there isn't. Oh, um, my because I said blast. This is I'm not Mike Bloom. Oh, come my on. Under, my understanding is that uh, is that Raylan has not killed someone on Justified since he and Winona's lives were threatened, and I think they ended up in that office building and they had that shootout, and that I guess was in season four yes the no i mean the office shootout's not the last time he killed somebody when there was the home invasion at the end oh it was the home invasion at the end of season did he not kill a single person in season five and has he not killed anybody so far this season i don't think he's killed anyone this season he hasn't killed there's a justify on just on the justified wiki there's 17 pages in the killed by raylan givens category and uh and i don't think any of them are from season five um so I don't know. I don't, I don't know how carefully because uh, Dan, does Danny Danny doesn't count because he ran at Raylan and Raylan was like if, I, if I'd have known I'd have told you right. He's been witness to a lot of this kind of thing, but he hasn't exactly uh, been the, the the trigger man. Um, I no. don't know. Yeah, somebody somebody let us know. Somebody remind us. You might be right. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Then again, we are an hour and a half into this thing, and all I'm thinking about is Disney songs, uh, just like going on in a loop in my brain right now. I'm that's because well, that's, that's where you were I'm when just, we started the I'm episode. I'm just thinking don't about lie. Prince Ali reprise in my head right now. So uh, I just, uh, I, I don't even know the answer to that. But yeah, let us know. I, I'd Prince Ali, fabulous Yali Ababwa? Um, Read my lips and come to grips with reality. So, 
So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I think that that uh, if if Choo Choo is a Raylan kill and I don't know exactly. I don't think we can really determine who's whose shot brought him down. Ultimately, I think this is one of Raylan's first kills in a very long time. I think the end of season four was the last time he killed anybody. Because think about it, at the beginning of season five. He's in Florida and he's not killing anybody there. And then he gets back to Kentucky and he's doing all that stuff with the crows. I don't think that he's killing. Uh, anybody in that scenario so you guys can can hit us up if i'm wrong about that but this may well be raylan's first kill in in over a season and a half okay just saying something yeah saying a lot um yeah so choo-choo's dead any final words for our man ddr duke davis roberts the man if you're listening to this man you're the best we love you yeah, I think the best compliment he could get besides that one from you, which is obviously the best, uh, is Graham Yeo saying what he said in that postmortem where he said, look, we just had you know, the character kind of conceived one way and the actor got on set and he just did such a great job with it that A, we didn't want to kill him and B, we just wanted to keep writing for him. And I think as an actor, that's about as as high a compliment as you can be paid by the people that are running your show. It's like we wanted you in it as much as possible and we really liked what you did. And I don't know, I saw some rumors online. I've been seeing his name pop up, uh, linked to some other projects. So I hope that happens. Uh, are you talking about the Colossus thing? Yes. Uh, yeah. So, so if you guys don't know, so there's there's another X Men movie that's coming up soon based on Deadpool, the Deadpool character, great character, very funny character. Ryan Reynolds going to be playing him. Going to be very different, I understand, from X Men Origins Wolverine, which is a good thing because that movie sucked. Uh, Deadpool was not very good in that movie, but Ryan Reynolds good casting for Deadpool and Colossus, the the mutant who has uh, steel skin uh, or can can have steel skin if he chooses. That's his power. Uh, <laughs> if he choo choose. Uh, he's going to be a part of the movie and Daniel Cudmore is an actor who has played that character since X2 he's not going to be back so they have to recast this role for Deadpool and uh, my buddies at Comics Alliance wrote a post uh, talking about uh, let's get Choo Choo to play Colossus so there is, uh, there is a campaign out there and I believe that DDR is aware of it and I believe he is the guy who coined the hashtag Chulossus uh, <laughs> which, I, which I am a big fan of it's, uh, it's so much better than Donald for Spider-Man when you think Oh, uh, well, Donald for Spider-Man just doesn't have a great ring to it. It's a great campaign. Right, um, but, but, but Chew Losses is a much better hashtag. Yeah, it's a much better hashtag. Uh, anyway, so we choo choo choose you, uh, Duke Davis Roberts. You were you were an amazing part of Justified this season. Really sad to see Choo Choo go, but he was he was great for conversation throughout this season. I'm sure it will not be the last time we talk about Choo Choo on this show, if only just to just to say the name because it's such a great name and just to remember the guy. So uh, great stuff, great stuff from DDR. Yeah, and I thought uh, and and I thought in honor of Choo Choo that the episode could have ended and probably may, maybe was about to end right there. And I thought, well, that'll be a fitting end. Like that'll be good. Yeah. Uh, no, that wasn't the end, was it? That was not the end. Uh, we can, you know, we can go right to that. Uh, we we go from Choo Choo's death to Ava Crowder's house, and she's she's not quite cooking yet. She's listening to thrash music with Earl, uh, and Boyd gets a phone call. Uh, you know, Boyd, who's obviously very shaken from his near death encounter, he gets a phone call, and who's it from? It's from our boy Elston Limehouse. Yep, not great. Uh, and Limehouse saying uh, he's offering he's offering information as a good faith gesture. He wants to mark a new beginning for their beautiful friendship. Uh, he wants to he wants to give this he wants to give Boyd what does he say? He's uh, this is what you would call an unknown unknown something you don't even know you don't know. I feel like he's trending into a uh, little Donald Rumsfeld territory with that one. <laughs> Not to yeah. bring and now we've talked about Disney. We may as well talk about politics, right? Yeah, I mean, what else can we talk about at this point? 
but no, yeah, this is uh, you don't you want to know about the the unknown unknowns. If you're kind of playing a game here, or you're really trying to manage your resources, and you're really trying to balance and, and keep all the plates spinning, the unknown unknowns, the one thing that could really cut you off at the knees. And of course, the unknown unknown in boys' case is absolutely the one that could cut them off at the knees. And so, this is a big deal. I Limehouse's motivations are very Limehouse esque. He's very much out for number one, uh, and he wants to kind of get uh, get getting good with Boyd and. Be he thinks Boyd's a good guy to have on his side, and I think he's willing to put Ava in a little bit of hot water here in return for that. And not the least of which reasons is probably that she played him a little bit, a, a lot of bit. You know, yep. you know, I don't think that um, that uh, that it, you know, it's not like a life or death play that that she had on it. But you know, uh, oh gosh, what's the name of his uh, his guy that showed Errol? Up? Like, Errol. It ended up with Errol getting like tasered to to the nuts. Yep. You know, that was no good. And she skipped she skipped out of there. And, you know, Ava didn't really cover that at all. Uh, bad job on the marshals, too, not figuring out some way of figuring this out. Like, we got to put a pacifier in Limehouse's mouth somehow. Uh, but, yeah, Limehouse, uh, like the pigs he's got in his, in his shed, he's going to squeal. Uh, and he squeals to Boyd. And that look on Boyd's face at the end of the episode says everything. It's just like, uh-oh. This can't be good. So, yeah, a lot of things are boiling over right now. There's the everything that's going on with, with Tiger Security blowing up. And you're right. There's every reason in the world to go and rush in on Pizza Portal right now. Um, there's, you know, everything that's happening with Markham and Catherine. And now we've got this. We've got Boyd knows something's up with Ava. And depending on how the rest of that call pans out and how Boyd reacts to the call uh, and what he does with the information he's given this could turn real south real quick. Uh, things are really set up where I feel like we are at the top of the mountain and now we're rolling downhill. Yeah, this is maybe it's right in the middle. So it's a it's a peak and, and we're, we're kind of heading toward the end headlong from this point on. My question is, and I, and I, and I would I need your help kind of resetting this. And I, I probably should have gone back and rewatched some of those scenes with Limehouse and Ava. But um, what does a, what does Limehouse really know? He knows he knows that Ava was on the run, not just from Boyd, but probably from the government. And that's why she wanted to, you know, more than than that. That's why she was willing to do what she was willing to do. Is that right? She didn't come out and say that, I don't think. But he said that, I believe. Yes. She didn't deny it. Yeah. You know, or he I think he floated that possibility out. and She just was kind of like quiet about what her motivations are. Yeah, and that uh, I guess that's not the best deal. Um, is but, that uh, is but, that that he knows that? So, so what do you think he's thinking though? You think that you know she obviously she says like I got money, I can get you money and everything, and like she runs away, so there was no money or anything. But is is Limehouse thinking there's money? Maybe I mean why, maybe why why does Limehouse want to get back in bed with Boyd Crowder? What what interest does that have for him? You know, uh, this is a guy. Their last meeting was not great. That was uh, you know back in the Drew Thompson days. It did not work out very well. Uh, why does Limehouse want to get back in the Boyd Crowder game? What's his angle right now? Is it is it purely this money that Ava's teasing at? Is there something else? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know exactly what his deal is. I think he's thinking, well, the one criminal down in Harlan County who's kind of in charge of everything uh, is Boyd Crowder. And I always want to be in league with the one criminal down, you know, who's kind of running everything. And I don't have like when I last my last interaction with Boyd was so negative. I really need a good way to get back on board with him because I want to be in his good graces. And here's the perfect way to do it. And normally I might have been loyal to uh, I might have been loyal to 
to Ava here because that's kind of in his character is to sort of he was loyal to Ellen May, even though he didn't necessarily need to be. But uh, he wasn't because I think he was still a little bit salty about how she kind of burned him and and told him that she would get him a bunch of money in order for his help. And then and then it ended up with that not happening at all. So I don't know that he's necessarily after the money per se uh, in the short term. I think his long term goal is money for sure. But I think he thinks that might be better served by having Boyd Crowder as an ally and nothing else. Yeah. Either way, uh, not great for Ava. Not great, Bob. Not not great, Bob. Uh, pretty bad for Ava. Pretty bad for a lot of people right now. Pretty good episode of Justified. Uh, things yeah. are, things are, are moving in a in a very serious direction. You know, we we talked about some areas of the episode that were a little uneven, and I feel like that's the first time I felt like uh, discussing that kind of thing about Justified. Pretty much since we've been talking about Justified. I mean, we you know, season five is kind of famously not the most loved season of this show, but I think you and I walked away from that season with a little bit more of an appreciation for it. And I I certainly am gaining more and more appreciation for it the further and further we get into the Ava story. But there were a few things this episode that just rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. But by and large, even an uneven episode of Justified is better than most episodes of anything. Uh, and uh, enough happened in this episode and pieces moved in, in uh, enough places in this episode that I really just feel like, uh, man, where, where are we going now? I'm really on the edge of my seat. So uh, loving this season. That has not changed one bit. Yeah, and I feel the same way. I uh, it's it hasn't changed one bit for me e- either. Even though there's a couple things that don't necessarily ring perfectly here, I think it's one of those things where we're right in the middle of it. So let's see where it goes, uh, and let's see exactly how all that plays out. All right. Uh, so I think that's it. Unless there's anything more. No, I think that's it. All right. Uh, follow Antonio. Great guy. He's on Twitter at AC Mazzaro, two Z's, one R. I'm at Ron Howard. Not a great guy. Ron Howard, but rounder. Uh, give us the hashtag Jafarstified. Let's just do it. I feel yeah, like if, if you stuck with us this long, tweet at us with the hashtag Jafarstified. Uh, yeah, and remember to audition for, uh, for Forget About Love for our, uh, what do you call that, a truette? A tr- <laughs> I think that's a truette. Yeah, like a true. Like a true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, go to postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail. Maybe we'll play it here. Uh, probably probably not. We'll save you the embarrassment, but potentially. You never know. You subject yourself to that if you do record something. A truette. A truette. Oh, a truette. And this has been truly a pleasure, Antonia. Indeed. Indeed. All right. See you guys next week. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.